H-Y-G-G-E. How the heck do you say that? Well, I guess this thing has been taking a lot of the world by storm since 2016. Huga and the focus on this lifestyle, this mindset has really taken off. Kyle and I kind of explored this today because, you know, we're in a pandemic and how do you be more Huga? Is it beneficial? So we talk about all these things. I do want to start with a little bit of a lighthearted story in that my wife and I have really been focusing on, I guess, embracing a little bit more of this huga. We try to have our candles on when we're eating. We listen to low-lying music. We try to stay all warm and cozy, especially where we live. And it's been nice. But I did catch my wife trying to be a little bit too huga, just eating, relaxing, enjoying herself to the point of where she almost choked. It was a little funny. But nevertheless, Huga, we're talking about it. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 7. We're going to be talking about something a little fun and interesting today. But before I get into that, I want to bring in my buddy, my pal, Kyle. How are you today? Good, buddy. How are you doing? The lesser of the two nobodies. That's how you refer to me now. Well, you started that, but I just continue it. So I guess yeah, it's, so now, it's now a fact. So I guess it's like the like the guy coming up with his own nickname or something. <laughs> it's like sort yeah, of poor form. You, yeah, you mess yourself up on that one. Just call me the Duke. Okay. No, well, we are, no. <laughs> um, how was your week? Yeah, yeah, week was good. Um, Is it still blur for you? Yeah, totally. Like, there's really nothing to report. You know, I get up, I have breakfast, I work, lunch in there somewhere, dinner, play with my son, just repeat next day, right? Do you, like, at least have some interesting meals? Are you changing it up at all? Um, Let me think about that. What's suit? No, well, we have, like, 20 meals that we just sort of cycle through. And we don't, we don't, we're not as organized as you and your wife with your, <laughs> with your meal planning blocks and, and all that stuff. We but just I, have, but we inspired you. See, I'm quite impressed. I mean, well, we, got, I mean, yeah, yeah, yes. You inspired us to be better at meal planning. Certainly. So we, we have like this big messy folder that we just pick recipes from and I'm sort of boring. I, I keep the same thing probably for weeks in a row or I could eat the same recipe every week for a year if that makes sense and so I always kind of go back to I'm a big burritos guy I love burritos we have this um sweet potato stew that we make that I love That's and they're the, both you, easy I think you've given me that stew right you mean I think I have yeah yeah yes, it's really yes. good and, and it's just so simple I mean you can make it in 30 minutes and it's good and it's good for you so I generally lean towards those meals but my wife is a little bit more adventurous and I am, or at least she's not satisfied with eating the same thing every week for a year. So um, we generally try to mix it up. But so, you know, this week we had sweet potato stew and um, today we made like some roasted vegetables and some sausages. So it was, yeah, it was good. But I mean, if if that's the update of my week, I mean, I'm just not that, that interesting of a person to talk to these days, I guess. Well, I'm just seeing if you're like, you know, having some new experiences, stimulating yourself with new sensations I, and maybe I did that's make, in the kitchen. I did make, so we have a wonderful bakery here 
uh, called the Duchess Bakery. It's one of the best bakeries in Canada. And they have a little, I guess it's a pastry called a financier, which is, it's like an almond. So you make it with almond flour and there's some eggs in there. Um, and so Dutch has put out a cookbook a couple of years ago. And so we have that. So this week I did make some financiers to have with my coffee in the morning. Your uh, wedding cake was from Dutch's, wasn't it? Yeah, the Duke, man. Oh, oh. man, that's a good cake. Yeah, we had uh, some chocolate cake from there. We had some donuts from uh, Moonshine Donuts. Yeah, yes. So we, I love the sweets. I'm a, I like the desserts, the cakey desserts, the donuts, all that stuff. So anyways, this so this week I made something that's basically a dessert, but I could have it at 9 o'clock in the morning with my coffee. So that's pretty exciting. What about well, you? How's, how's Well, I was just going to say, though, this is like, this is you are living the hygge lifestyle, which is what we're, what we're going to talk about. Like you're I don't eating. Even, I don't <laughs> even know what this is. We. I'm so. <laughs> I mean, I. I. So I did some googling, and I sort of understand what it is, but I don't really understand what it is. So I'm. I'm looking forward to you kind of putting me in the know here. But. Uh, but. But. So before we get there, how was your week? My week was good. Um, it's still really cold here in Edmonton. It's uh, we've hit some minus thirty fives, minus forties. I think it's gonna yeah mid forties with wind chill. Yeah, and I think it's gonna come down a little bit this week, which is which will be nice. My daughter's turning three on on Monday, which she's really excited about, and it's it's really nice to to see her get excited about something. I mean, it's 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 been a little sad a few times she'll come down the stairs and she'll just she'll just have this big sigh like just <sighs> and it you know she shouldn't be having those kind of sighs you know she should just be like every day should be a new adventure but she's been telling me more and more daddy can you tell me a new story daddy can you can we play something new and and it's a grind. It's a grind it for is everybody. grind. Yeah. I know. I know. And uh it's just, and it's, it's just sad. It's particularly hard when she can't just go outside and play because it's too cold. You know, frostbite minutes, they say. So um, when it's that cold, that's one less thing to to do, right? So you're sort of, um, you can't leave your house. And after a while, I'm sure your toys are boring to some degree and you sort of need to mix it up a little bit. So I get that for sure. Yeah. And she doesn't go to like day home or daycare. And so she's not really seeing any other kids and Anyway, but we have her. We have her birthday party. She's gonna have a Peppa Pig themed party. She's really excited about. It. She picked up the decorations. Um, we're gonna have some family video in, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really good. So um, that's the, sort of the week coming up. The week that just is sort of passed was was decent. Um, we try to, as far as like food, we are trying to like try different things, and we actually don't have our five week meal plan anymore, Kyle. We had to kind of give that up because we've changed, our dietary restrictions have kind of escalated or changed over the last few years. So it's just it's just not working for us. So we're trying to we're trying to do some new things. Um, my wife is all about clean eating, and which has been good. Like she makes tasty meals, so yes. that helps. So I feel yes. good, and and we're eating good, and so life's good. And Good. I think, and 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 so you know, when you talk about huga, so huga, first of all, if anyone and that's, doesn't know it, so huga, huga, huga. And so it's spelled H Y G G E. I spent fifteen minutes trying to figure out how just to say until the you word. until you messaged me, and, and then you're like, hey, how do you how do you spell this thing? 
Yeah, and then yeah. I and then I looked it up, and I still don't know how to say it. So I'll be saying Huga or Huga. I'll be getting it wrong certainly for the next little while. Well, I think we're kind of also a little bit behind. I I realized that this thing was like a big trend, especially in the states in 2016. It was after, almost word of the year in 2016. Yeah, it was almost word of the year, and it was you know there was so much happening, especially like the Brits were were really embracing Huga and. And the Americans, some Americans were because, you know, Brexit was starting to happen and and Donald Trump was elected. And so people were kind of like, oh, no, we got to find comfort somewhere. And here come the Danes saying, hey, who got, you know, got to live that lifestyle. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, interesting, though, it wasn't actually in, it wasn't the the Danes kind of adopted in the 1800s, but it actually originated in Norway. And so what is it? I kind of wonder, you know, we know we both know somebody who's Norwegian. If you know what I'm talking about, I kind of wonder if he's like very Huga. I thought he was Finnish. No, he's Norwegian. Oh, is he? Maybe we're talking about different people. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, tall blonde. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, what is it for for people that that don't know what Huga is? Can you? Well, I think it's it, there doesn't seem to be a landing definition, but it's like about embracing positivity and enjoying everyday experiences. Those are kind of the core concepts. Some people kind of say it's like making sure there's like absence of anything that's annoying or emotionally overwhelming and that you're really just like focusing on um, being together with people and, and prioritizing people in your life and simplifying things. It almost, almost like to some extent, to me, when I hear it, has this alignment with like minimalism right and that's kind of become a popular word right which is just like prioritizing those things in your life simplifying things really just enjoying the things that meet that matter a lot to you i think there's been a little bit more with the with the huga um some some focus on being cozy right except that there's been some criticism about it being too much about coziness and cakes and candles even though i have a candle beside me (laughs) um i had to huga it up you know yeah, when I looked into it, I thought, you know, I 100% just thought that it was almost like a form of indulgence. So fuzzy socks by the fire with a yeah. cup of hot chocolate or mulled wine yeah, and and friends and a cozy sweater in the middle of winter. That sort of seems to be the common image that, that pops up when you do Google it is, you know, two people in front of a fire. And maybe that's just Instagram. And that's sort of one thing that I... So when I started Googling it, I was like, this- Your research is so sophisticated, by the way. <laughs> this stupid, I just Google the word and then I read the first few websites and then I'm an expert. I was worried, and it, it, this could still be the case. I'm a bit of an old curmudgeon and I hate fads and I hate trends and I really don't like Instagram and, and, and Facebook and all that. And I was, I am wondering, sort of, and you can tell me, if this is just like another bullshit Instagram thing where people just love to- mm put fuzzy socks on next to the fire and then take a picture of it and as soon as the, and then post it on Instagram and as soon as they've done posting it they probably extinguish the fire and throw the hot cocoa in the sink and then go watch Netflix like i feel like this i i'm wondering if it's obviously rooted in history and there yeah. is practice you know from hundreds of years ago that has sort of influenced it but i'm wondering if the point that we've got to it now with who got is that it's it's the stupid Instagram trend and just so people can take pictures on Instagram and show everybody how hygge they are. 
Well, there's no question it got commercialized, right? Okay. As anything that comes like that comes out of Scandinavia, that's amazing, gets commercialized and and it loses its meaning. Um, Denmark, though, I always have this thought about whether it's Scandinavian. So close, I know it's not part of like the those that those northern countries like Finnish, Sweden, Finland, Sweden, and Norway, but I always think it's Scandinavian, and it might be. But um, I digress in that, you know, it's it's it. It has become commercialized for sure when, you know, when went into the States in 2016 and became popular there. You got all these companies now saying, you know, Huga clothing and Huga furniture and, and there were pubs like selling a Huga drinks and okay. it just not a lot of it just didn't make sense. And I, and from what I gathered and read, um, the locals and in, in Denmark, and in Norway are just kind of laughing at the whole thing because it's kind of taken to life on its own. That's not really a line full alignment with just the way you live, right? That's sure. it really is just a, a way of living. And I think it comes down to those, those principles of, of embracing positivity, togetherness, simplicity, um, indulging in, in life. It was, it's funny because, uh, my understanding is that the Danes don't have a very high life expectancy. <laughs> and uh, um, the guy who's kind of made it famous, Mike Viking. That is a made-up name. There's no way that that's that guy's name. If I was going to... But it's not. It's M-E-I-K, and then it's like W-I-K-I-N-G. Like, it's legit. But if it sounds... I'm, I'm sure that's his name, and no disrespect to Mr. Viking. And really, I'm just kind of pumping his tires here because it's just sort of a badass name. No, Mike you're Viking. messing it up because we're never going to be able to interview the guy. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> I'm sure you're listening to this. I know you are. Please come he on is the show. A, he is the CEO of the Happiness Institute. Like, he's got to be a pretty chill guy, I would think. And yeah, so I'm he, sure he'd be. Yeah, he's probably good. All right. Well, we'll email him and I'll apologize for making fun of his name. Yeah, okay, good. Well, he, he was kind of saying that the Danes actually have a lower life expectancy uh, because they've kind of embraced this lifestyle of indulging in in pastries and alcohol and yeah, when and, you uh, when you look it up, it it on the internet. So like you know what uh, when you search something in Google underneath, I'll have like some drop down menus of some common questions, yeah. and and the first one that comes up is why is the life expectancy in Denmark so low? And they say it's because of lifestyle <laughs> choices, diet. Uh, alcohol and tobacco use and lack of exercise. So maybe they're kind of huga-ing just They seem to be good with much. it, though. Yeah, they're I guess. And, and, I mean, so it's like 80, it's almost 81 years is is the, the, the life expectancy. In Canada, it's almost 82. So it's like a difference of a year. And Denmark has consistently been one of the happiest countries on Earth. Yeah, man. Right? And they were, like, they were the happiest country on Earth yeah. a couple of years ago. I think this year they're like fourth or something. And, and even first? other countries that also sort of practice this, like I think Sweden does too, and Finland maybe to some degree. Yeah. They're yeah. always in the top 10, usually top five. Canada this year, though, was 11. So that's not bad. Oh, okay. Um, I thought we were. I thought we were higher, so we must have dropped recently. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't think of of the other kind of non Scandinavian countries that are in there that are above us. Who's but, first? Uh, this year, I want to say Finland. Yeah, yeah. It mm. was Finland. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they've got something figured out up there um, in that part of the world, and maybe this is it. Maybe it's just cozy socks, warm drinks, and Instagram followers. Well, this is the thing is that like people were embracing it because they're starting to see that something is going on with, you know, Denmark, Finland, all these Scandinavian countries 
they're happier. Um, they're not as rich as the United States or some of these other countries, but they're happier. And so what are they doing differently? So I think that's sort of when Mike Viking kind of brought this up through his book and really started promoting this, it, it really took off. So, so anyways, he's, a, he's actually really interesting. He is an interesting person and I, I've kind of watched some of his videos and listened to, listened to his talks. He's actually, so like I said, he's the CEO of the Happiness Institute and they actually put out a paper, which I thought was relevant because I was like, okay, well, being together, being cozy and, and, you know, connecting with people, if that's sort of a core concept, then how do you do that during the pandemic, right? Like, I, th- I, th- I think it's probably going to find some challenges. And so he actually talks about this. And even though, like, generally, you know, it's the, the, Huga has kind of been misconstrued to like focus on coziness, candles and cakes or whatever. He does say like, you know, reading a book, for instance, and and, and, in, and cozying up with something warm, like it really does change the mood. Candles can change the mood. He talks about a study where people eating their dinner or their supper with, with candles as opposed to other kind of artificial light. Like you actually have the conversations focus on on each other and you start storytelling and it really just changes the ambiance and the mood so that you're actually connecting in those moments, right? And so he's saying do more of that even if it's just with the people that you know. And if you're alone, then even just, you know, connecting by reading a book, you know, he was saying how just six minutes of reading a day can, can de-stress people up to 68%. You know, it's significant and and I know that feeling. I've actually haven't read as much as I have uh uh prior to this year, you know, and, and it's been nice. And I think you were even telling me that you've been you've been reading more too, or at least that you, you always love when you get that opportunity to read and what that does for you. Yeah, it's funny when you're younger and somebody older tells you what a luxury it is to have free time and a good book and you're just like shut up old man like that sounds so boring you're so boring but now i am that boring old man i it's so extravagant to just have a good book and read it and have like an hour with nothing to do it's awesome so i i get that for sure and and maybe that's sort of more what this is getting at uh, from somebody who doesn't really know what he's talking about that it's there are ways to be sort of luxurious um or to find joy in sort of simple things that maybe are easy to overlook, but the benefits are real when you kind of pursue those minor extravagances or you know whatever you want to call it. And maybe that's generally sort of what this is is kind of leaning towards. Like you don't need a bunch of big flashy, exciting new things to you know to be happy. If you can just sit down with a good book for a couple minutes a day and have a warm drink while you're doing it, you know maybe that is a way to improve your life in the long term. And you know what well, I mean you go ahead. Well and 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 uh to your point about how we're in a pandemic, I mean when when in your you know, for me personally, I need those small extravagances now on a daily basis. Like a lot of times those are the things that I look forward to and whether mm-hmm. I do them or don't do them really changes the outlook of my day. Like if I'm lying in bed and I haven't taken advantage of those things like I've been lazy and just watch TV or something. I feel very different about my day than if I've actually taken an hour to read or whatever, you know, made a financier and just ate the shit out of it and had a cup of coffee. <laughs> that changes how you feel about your yeah. day, I feel like. For sure. I, I was just going to add that, like, you know, one of the guys that you have come to admire, you watch a lot of his videos, Bo Miles, right? Like we talked about this during that episode about 
you just appreciate the simplicity that he just finds in just normal things and he makes a life experience out of it and just documents it. Like I kind of almost think that that's pretty hygge, you know, just by the sounds of what we're learning about it. So I, th- I guess it could take different shapes and different forms. It does seem like there are some, some fundamental maybe practices or things that the Danes kind of partake in, which includes good food and includes togetherness and connecting with people. And I also heard that like the lighting is a big deal, like just having really strong, stark lighting, like white lighting's not a, it doesn't invite that sort of Ambient lighting. I've always sort of felt that. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, for sure. Ambient lighting really changes how I feel about something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, I I mean, maybe it's, so putting a label on it, like Huga or Haga, when really it's it's just a series of practices that are probably run parallel in, in a lot of different sort of philosophies or kind of ways of mm-hmm. living your life. But really the common thing is finding happiness in things that maybe aren't traditionally seen as exciting or, or extravagant or whatever it is, but just finding yeah, a way to be satisfied yeah. with s- things that sort of seem, you know, minimal at the time and, and if you can do that, that'll vastly improve the quality of your life. Like maybe that's sort of the common thread that's sort of running through all these things. Like the things that, you know, that like Bull Miles is saying. And, you know, if you're trying to be um, more present, which we've talked about at, at length before, sort of mm-hmm. trying to be in the moment more. Or this Hugo lifestyle, there's some common threads there. And a lot of it, to you know, to me anyway, seems to be just sort of finding happiness in things that aren't necessarily seen as it maybe wouldn't stand out as being exciting or something worth pursuing, but really that's sort of where the secret to a happy life is. Yeah, I completely agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it any, any more differently. I think it's, I think it's probably seen in many different cultures and in other parts of the world. I think just again, why it probably, why Huga's kind of gotten that spotlight is probably because of, of the happiness index and and these countries consistently being ranked in the top five and people trying to figure out what that's all about he does talk about other things as well even though it's not quite related to huga but that might be interesting for some people to hear uh so i talked about the reading in terms of like things people can do to sort of manage through this pandemic he talks about creating new experiences through new sensations and so he gave the example of food, and I kind of brought it up with you in the, in the beginning. And so what I was what I was I was trying to practice that to see sort of uh, if you you were kind of doing that. But he was saying that even if it's like you know I don't know eating oysters or something, something that you've never tried before, and if it doesn't go well, that's okay because those new sensations we tend to remember like those first moments, right? And we remember them, even if they're bad, even if they were kind of disgusting, you kind of, um, you remember those new experiences um, more often than not in a positive way, right? Obviously, depending on the experience. But like if it's something, even if it's like tasting oysters and you hate it, you kind of be like, oh yeah, I remember that. And you might have a little, a little bit of a smile on your face and you kind of just looking back, that kind of creates some happy moments. Um, he also said sort of mark the happy moments. So he brings up this example of this family and the mother, you know, is telling her, asking her older children, "Hey, do you do you remember when you were eight and this happened?" And and the daughter rem- remembered that at the age of eight, 
her mom was always saying, hey, remember this moment, remember this moment. And so she never forgot it. So when she asked mm-hmm. her when she was older, just going back and, re- and um, reconnecting with that moment, because she was marked, she marked it as a happy moment, it really made a difference for her. Interesting. Do you, how do you... Do you try to mark the happy moments when you're in them? Like when you're living in a happy moment, uh, do you try to sort of flag that in in some way for you personally? And do you do it for your family as well? Or is that just something that that you do for you? I'm a pretty reflective person. So I I think I do. I've definitely done that a lot more ever since Avin has been in my life. There have been like little things, for instance. Like I have like these... I would say four, I've taken a ton of pictures of my daughter and I'm sure you've taken pictures of your son, many of them as well. But I would say I could count like there's four pictures that I remember like very, very crisply and they're all reflect like a moment in time that um, I, it's just was simple, right? So it was, there was, I'm not going to go through all four of them, but just like a couple of them, for instance, like I was standing at the top of, sitting at the top of the stairs and I had my phone kind of in selfie mode and off to the off to, off my left shoulder, and she was coming out of her room and she's just half naked and she's she's walking towards the phone has a big smile and I capture that mm. right she was just so happy that dad was just sitting at the top happy to see me and just a big smile on her face and another one for instance was in in after my morning workout she sometimes will come down the stairs and. Be like, Daddy, you done your workout? And I said, No, and you know, finish that workout off. And and she's just waiting for me. And she's lying. She was lying down on one of uh, Michelle's yoga pillows. And so I lie down with her, and we're both just like looking at each other, and you know, in our eyes. And and she smiles, and I smile. And then I capture. I was like, Look at this way, and I captured on, on as a photo. And again, it's just another another thing, and so it's. I just don't think I'll ever forget those moments. Like it's. So I try. I try to. Like I think the simple things. I always. I think the big things were more natural to remember. But like those little, small moments, like when Michelle and I got married, and I remember seeing everybody. The happiest moment for me was because we would bring two cultures together, was seeing everyone on the dance floor, right, and seeing, you know white people mixed with brown people and black people and Asians and everyone was just kind of getting together dancing and celebrating our marriage and I just stood up I was standing up on kind of like a little bit of a stage and just looking at that right seeing everybody with smiles on their faces and I will never forget that and and there's no picture of that it's in my mind and it was it could have been a transient moment had I let that pass so so I would say for the most part I think I do um, try to be really mindful of those those small moments. So what about you? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've tried to, to start doing it more, but it's much more of an internal thing that I just say to myself, just remember this moment. But mm-hmm. I'm wondering now hearing what you've said that if it's worth, because often now those moments are shared with my wife and my son. Sure. And so now I'm wondering if it's maybe worth saying that out loud. I, I always wonder though, if I do say that out loud, if it'll sort of ruin the intimacy of the moment, or if it'll sort of ruin the you know, the ability to kind of focus on that moment. Cause when you highlight, when you highlight that it's important, all of a sudden it just sort of changes the angle that you're looking at. And I don't, I always argue like whether that's better or not. And I, anyway, so I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with, with, with how to do that and sort of how to share that with my family. So it's a really interesting story that you tell about somebody when she's eight years old and her mom would say, just make sure that like you remember this moment. Cause this is a special moment mm-hmm. or like, this is a nice mm-hmm. moment. And how the kid actually remembered that and actually worked. So anyways, I'm just trying to do some thinking on maybe how I can incorporate 
a mechanism like that. I think that. that's I think that's a, I think that's a fair sort of um, analysis and reflection of, of you know sort of your apprehension around it because yeah it is something that's really uh, sort of uniquely yours and like if you tell somebody does that that does that change it I guess for me I, I probably just process it a lot in my head before mm-hmm. I'm kind of like okay let me tell somebody and if I do tell somebody like I mean I'm telling you know, the world right now, <laughs> these moments, um, if somebody comes and says something different about it, that's fine. It doesn't matter. I've already processed, internalized it, and, and I know what those feelings are around it. So I think I probably just almost, like, wrap those, that moment up with, like, you know, wrap it up with all my feelings and, and just then process it and just be, okay, I got it. It's mine, and then I can move on with it. So. Nice. Um, but yeah, so mark those happy moments, uh, spend more, spending more time in the kitchen, just like making food together. Like, although I kind of question that one now, because I think that people are kind of done too. like, I think a lot of people have been in the kitchen. Um, all that can, maybe people are doing a lot of skip the dishes and Uber eats and, and takeout too. So I, I guess I, I, be, I think, I think people are eager though to get to the restaurants and, and eat out, the but ki- spending more time in the kitchen. I mean, like it's always Michelle and I, that's the place we spend the most amount of time and, and connect with each other is in the kitchen. Yeah, no, that's the same with, with, with my wife and I as well. And it's, there are days when I'm so happy for the distraction of making dinner, mm-hmm. but there's also days where I've done the dishes three times and made two meals by five o'clock. And I'm just so sick of that yeah. stupid room because I, I just am ready to, sort of be done with the day, but okay, now I need to, you know, chop these vegetables or whatever. Yeah. So it's definitely a mixed bag, but there are absolutely days where I'm like, sweet, it's five o'clock. I got something to do here for the next hour and a half. And I can kind of just turn my brain off and do it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it can be sort of a mixed bag for me, a bit of a welcome distraction or, or a chore. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and the last one is, um, is actually not a sort of a tactic to be happier during this time, but it's just to acknowledge that, that nobody is really happy all the time, right? And and that we can't just keep thinking that there's going to be this unending, uh, bountiful source of happiness. Like there's hardships and struggles, and and we've definitely seen that across the world with you know the COVID deaths and the sickness and illnesses and and just the the spreading of all that to to people's lives. And so it's a part of the human experience. And I think that. F- my takeaway from that, I don't think that this, I didn't see this in, in that research, but is sort of a really good opportunity to practice gratitude, right? And and, and really and, and reflect on those times. So those are those are some of the those are some of the things that uh, Mike Viking had talked about as far as what you could practice during the pandemic. The other, I was just going to pivot a little bit in that you know a lot of the huga, you know, when you're talking about indulging, alcohol is a big thing. And I was like, okay, well, what's going on with the pandemic? I'm sure there's more people drinking. So I actually looked into that. Canadians are drinking more, uh, potentially up to 33% more. Um, They're finding that men are drinking more boredom and women are drinking more to stress. Uh, There's also uh, some people who are actually reduce their alcohol consumption. So it seems like there might be this kind of extreme going on on either end. But that that was interesting. I don't know if uh, if that makes sense to you, um, but yeah, no, it, it does certainly to me. Um, I would say my alcohol consumption's probably gone up certainly since the start of the pandemic. Oh, okay. um, almost like a little treat, you know. Some days, um, which is like five o'clock, and it's nice to have a beer when you make dinner or whatever yeah. it is, and 
that wasn't something that I did a lot of before the pandemic, but I, it, it certainly has increased. Um, and a lot of the people I talk to, like my friends and stuff, they sort of say the same thing. Like, yeah, I mean, there's some days and like we were saying before, it's a bit of a grind. And so mm-hmm. there are certainly some days where it just it's nice to have something to kind of look forward to at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's a and just take yourself away it's a, a can bit. of beer, an ounce of whiskey, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so it, yeah, no, I I absolutely believe that. Would you say you're more? Are you more of a social drinker, or do you like? Are you? Because I I for me I have a hard time just kind of drinking on my own. Like I always need it to be. I prefer it to be with other people. But it's I have always really enjoyed you know having a burger and a beer with a buddy. Um, and just having a chat and, you know, I, I think through university, I was, you know, probably your stereotypical university steakhead or I, you know, mm-hmm. like to have a couple beers with my friends on the weekend and all that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, after, after university ends, I never really had the desire to, you know, to like drink every day or, or like have a beer every day or anything like that. But, but I would do it in social settings, but now certainly most of the drinking that I do, um, since the, since the pandemic has started has, is on my own. I've taken a mm-hmm. bit more interest in, in whiskey and, uh, learning mm-hmm. about whiskey and, um, can't do it as you know, what's that? I said, I can't do it as, you yeah, know. yeah, no. And, and, and just sort <laughs> of trying to learn as much as I can about whiskey. And there are ways to sort of taste it and you can kind of refine your palate and you can kind of learn different things. And I think it's a bit of an acquired taste and acquired skill and, all that stuff, and you know, now I'm a I'm a professional, so I have a, a you know a bit more money than I did when I was younger, so I can buy sort of a nice bottle of whiskey yeah. and take my sweet time and enjoy it, and you know, have an ounce over a couple hours and really try to pick out the flavors and all that stuff. So it's it's almost sort of become like a bit of a hobby in a way, and uh, nice. I I really enjoy it. It's it's like really nice, and you know, like the alcohol in my blood also feels good. Like there's no debating the fact, or th- like there's no separating the fact that alcohol is a drug and it makes you feel good. And that's why people Mm -hmm. like to drink. And that's certainly sometimes where I'm just like, I would really like to have a beer for how the booze makes me feel. So there's, there's sort of that hobby aspect of it, but there's also sort of the wonderful properties of alcohol when you consume it responsibly. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, it's, some people may probably feel ashamed of just sort of the increased alcohol consumption, right. And drinking alone and all those things. So you kind of provided a little bit of a, different view on that but i uh, appreciate you saying that yeah and I, I mean uh, I, th- I think it's a it's a has a lot to do with a little um who you are as a person and sort of how you sure. handle certain things like i have friends who um don't drink anymore because they know that mm-hmm. you know after one wow you know there's two and three mm-hmm. and they, they they sort of have addictive personalities to certain things and if it's not mm. if it's not booze it's something else and sure i i think it's just a lot about sort of knowing yourself and knowing how you how you handle uh, alcohol, and if it's something that you find that you're craving, or you can't stop after one, or whatever, maybe there's a bit of a self-reflection point there. But I'm lucky that's never really been an issue with me, and so I always try to enjoy it responsibly. I wonder about cannabis. I mean, so if people who are not living in Canada listening to this podcast, Canada's legalized marijuana, and it's been around since 2000. 18 couple I think, years is when now, it, yeah. yeah 2018 i think is when it was when it was legalized recreational cannabis that is uh, medical marijuana has been legalized for a while now i kind of wonder what if cannabis use is kind of increased in canada but uh i i was looking at other parts of the world i mean uk i think about their pub culture and someone was telling me like 
the amount that it contributes, like pub revenue to the GDP is crazy. And so I was like, okay, well, let me look into this. Pubs contribute 23 billion pounds to the UK economy, which is about $40 billion Canadian or $31 billion American and $13 billion in tax revenue. So I was like, okay, well, that's a lot of money. What's it sort of, let me just take a relative, another sector that's, you know, you, an obvious sort of money, money maker would be like the energy sector, for instance, in Canada, which contributed about $100 billion Canadian. So you got $40 billion from pubs in the, in the UK and, and $100 billion from energy development. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just crazy, the amount. And so they're actually, you know, while they're seeing rise in drinking at home, uh, it's not offsetting the amount of losses that are happening in pubs which is which is crazy. So anyways, I, I thought about hygge and alcohol consumption and whether that has increased, and, and it definitely has at home, um, but in certain parts of the world, at least not in pubs. And so I kind of wonder whether, you know, especially in the UK with the pub culture, I don't know if you've ever been to the UK yep. and experienced, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of togetherness, right? There's a lot of core concepts that hygge is based on that I think you find in, in pubs across the UK. And, and I wonder with a lot of the closure of these pubs and the restrictions that are happening in the UK, whether people are not necessarily feeling very hygge as of late. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that sort of relates to the social aspect of it, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, for a long time when I was socializing with, with, with folks, it'd just be easy to kind of meet up at a bar or whatever, and just have a beer and, uh, you know, watch a hockey game or something like that. And so I, I get it certainly. And it'd be tough. I mean, if it's, I would wonder, so I've been in, in the UK once for a couple of days, so I'm not, I, I, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but when you watch, you know, sort of, um, pop culture references to the UK or, you know, when you see it in movies, everybody's going to the pub, everybody after work goes to mm -hmm. the pub and all that stuff. And so if, if, if that's like a, you know, standard thing where you and a buddy or friends ever meet up for a beer after work before you go home or whatever it is, and then you've lost that social outlet. Uh, because of the pandemic, you'd certainly feel that loss. I feel like, sure, yeah, yeah. So that's that's sort of my what I wanted to get out of the Huga talk. I really just, I mean, I brought this up because I thought that it would be a good way to, you know, my wife had been talking about Huga for a while. I've I found more and more that we've kind of naturally just wanted to uh, connect with as many people as possible and. And, you know, there are many times where we, you'll find us reading in the evenings and just kind of cozying up and, and having candles on. And I was like, oh, it's, I actually, when I started reading about Huga, I was like, I think this has actually made some difference for sure. And so I put it on Kyle. I was like, well, let's talk about this. And I hope, hopefully it was kind of, I hope you enjoyed it, but I think, I think it's been, I think it's an interesting, hopefully we can get uh, Mike Viking one day to interview him Mike. and you haven't burned any bridges. So. Yeah. You know, and if we're going to keep up the trend of talking about things that were popular four years ago, maybe we could talk about, uh, <laughs> how, I don't know, the 2016 election or like what was super popular in 2016 that, that like, we could talk about. No. I was hoping to come up with some pithy reference to, to something that was uh, popular in 2016, but I didn't do that. So now I'm just rambling. But yeah, yeah. no, it was, it was, uh, interesting conversation and i and i think it's sort of takeaways are really just sort of live in the moment and like take pleasure in mm -hmm. in sort of the small things and you know if you have an opportunity to watch tv for an hour or, or you can grab a book and make a cup of tea maybe 
you know, maybe just, sure. just like think about the book and cup of tea and, um, sort of indulge in, in that or other ways for responsible indulging, you know, to have that piece of cake, maybe sleep in, throw on those fuzzy socks by the fire. All right, buddy. Well, thanks so much for the conversation. Yeah, man. Talk again next week. Yeah, that's right. Always a pleasure, pal. And, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Appreciate you. Okay, buddy. I appreciate you.